forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and owner of a perpetually clogged nose. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I don't know why I have a neck acne right here, but you mean here like we are. a pimple on your neck? I have like two pimples on my neck. What's that about? I don't know. I'm having way more acne than I've ever had in my life, and I'm just trying to roll with it. Of course. I acne's short. Neck, why? What what's wrong with your nose? Oh, it's just um it's always clogged. <laughs> what always? Uh well ever since I've gotten my nose job when I was twenty one. Okay. I've, I've had back all the way back then? Yeah. I have had a stuffier nose and also difficulty breathing. <laughs> was it worth it? Mm, considering I don't seem to be making a living based off of my looks, not really. <laughs> you look incredibly different, but worth it is its own question. Yeah, I would never do that now, mainly because I'm a scaredy cat. Like, I think the only reason I was able to get a nose job was because I didn't once think about what that meant. They bust your face open. That's the one thing they I like have filler. But I'm like the the liquid nose job. I'm scared because my the woman that does my filler, I've never heard this before. She was like, oh, I don't do liquid nose jobs because it makes you go blind. What? what? Really? <laughs> that's what she said. She said it can hurt your eyesight. I don't know if that's true. It scared the bejesus out of me. Wow. I did have um, issues with my eyesight for one to two years following my nose job, but my surgeon claimed he had nothing to do with it. Let me ask you a question. Did you get a nose job or did someone just deck you in the back of a Friday's? I'm not sure. <laughs> you like went to the back of a TGI Friday's in Scarsdale. Some guy punched you in the face and you're like, it was a nose job. Yeah, I can't breathe, but I look, <laughs> I look 10% more symmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> this is just between us a variety show filled with heartfelt advice ridiculous games and brutal honesty wow and it is brutal yeah i just like when i was in new york over the winter i thought that like i just was having a really clogged nose because i was in new york over the winter <laughs> but i still i have so many boogers all the time i had a lot of allergies as a child and my parents took me to acupuncture and I got acupuncture for like all of fourth and fifth grade and it cured my allergies. So now I got to go to acupuncture. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just telling you what worked for me. I also had to wear these chi bracelets that were magnets. They were like magnets on my veins and that supposedly helped. Okay. Let me ask also, you a question. Sometimes people just grow out of allergies. So there's a potential. <laughs> I was gonna say, let me tell you about all that. And then let me ask you a follow up. Did I ever get a tetanus shot? Nope. Woo! I was with you when you got a tetanus shot. You were with me. We I busted my head open. We were working at BuzzFeed and Allison and my boyfriend at the time came to the hospital with me. And the woman was like, oh, the nurse was like, oh, so you've probably had a tetanus shot. So you'll be fine. And I was like, I 100% guarantee I've never had a tetanus shot. And she was like, you probably got it when you were a kid. And I like called my mom on speaker and I was like, mom, have I ever had a tetanus shot? And Allison and Garrett were both like, you must have had a tetanus shot. My mom was like, um, no, I don't think so. Then I had to get one as a grown up. Well, you're supposed to keep getting them as a grown up, but I haven't done it. I've been bad. I'm supposed <laughs> to. And I'm so afraid because it's, I don't know. I don't even want to get into it because then I'll start to feel bad about my decision to not get my tennis shot. 
Yeah. I busted my head open on a metal door. So they were like, you probably have tetanus in your head. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of going <laughs> to wait. I'm going to wait until I walk into a metal door and then I'll get it. <laughs> Melissa has also not gotten a tetanus shot. Look, here's a reminder. Everyone go out and get a tetanus shot. Well, but Melissa, she hasn't gotten the booster because mm. she's terribly afraid of needles. Did you go get your second vaccination, Melissa? No, we go on Friday. Okay, well, <laughs> Allison fell. This entire recording has been chaos. It's Gemini season, baby. Did you see the the pictures that came out that were Rita Ora and Taika Watiti and Tessa Thompson all making out with each other? Gemini season. Benefer's back together. Gemini season. Chaos, 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 chaos. Yeah, I don't believe in uh, Gemini season, but whatever makes you feel understood. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, whatever works for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bless you. So, okay, actually, Faith will come in, you know, in handy when we're talking about our international questions. So please stick around after the break. We'll be answering a listener question all about faith and belief. And later, we'll be discussing buying a house for the first time, because guess who's buying a house? It's not me. <laughs> so stick around. Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. Hit it. International question. International question. International question. Floundering for Faith, Oregon. So Floundering for Faith says, Hello, Allison and Gabby. TLDR, do you have to believe in God to be religious? I was not raised in a religious house, but recently I've been feeling like I want an aspect of faith and community in my life. I have familial ties to Judaism, and it is the religion I feel the closest moral and ideological similarities to. I've been doing a lot of reading and research about Judaism and converting, but there's one big problem. I don't believe in God. Don't get me wrong. I can easily believe in a higher power. The problem comes when contemplating the capital H him God. My question is, is faith in some higher power, ritual observance, and trying to live by the commandments enough? Or do I really, in the core of my being, have to believe all that the Torah teaches, plagues and pillars of salt included? I would appreciate your advice as you're both born and raised Jewish people. Thank you. Floundering for Faith, Oregon. That's a really sweet email, actually. <laughs> that was really sweet. No, I don't think you have to believe in God. With Judaism, to me, I view Judaism as an ethnic identity, as an ethnicity, as well as a religion. And so to me, there's a cultural aspect to, to everything. You know, there's a language, songs, holidays that, you know, I think the Torah is like a really beautiful book that someone wrote. <laughs> not God. And the book has things that we can learn from it. Fables, you know, allegories. I don't think it's meant to be taken literally, at least now, because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't match up to our daily life. We know that you can wear mixed cottons and you're not going to get, you know, struck by lightning. You can. Wait, what? I can wear mixed cottons? <laughs> yeah, like you, I mean, you can, you know, be gay and I think it'll be fine. Like, you know, there are certain things that, that I think taking them literally is a mistake. And so for that reason, if you want to go with the heritage of everything, 
I don't think that necessarily means you have to believe in God to do so or follow everything, you know, literally in the book. Did Lot's wife turn around and literally turn into a pillar of salt? No, probably not. It's an allegory about faith. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can take like a grown person, logical view on what the books say. And you don't have to be like, and God literally (laughs) killed all the firstborn in Egypt and sent frogs everywhere. You know what I mean? Also, if you've Mm -hmm. never heard of Judaism till right now and you're listening to what I'm saying, it sounds like I'm having a fever dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess what for me is it's like, you know, why do you want to add this to your life? You know, and like if it is something that you feel like your life is missing and that it will bring you comfort and security and joy, then like that's reason to do it. I guess for me, I feel like it is possible to be a spiritual person without having to be a part of an organized religion, Mm. you know, but then when it's like, oh, I want the community aspect and I totally get that. So, yeah, I think a part of my whereas I think organized religion is an excuse a lot of the times for people to behave poorly and to hurt other people in the name of of them being superior. I also like as I've gotten older, have recognized more and more the, the role that it plays in people's lives and how it's. Um, can really be a sen- a source of comfort for a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like in terms of like the rules, like are you allowed to convert to Judaism? Like, yeah, you are. <laughs> like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, I would go into the conversion room leading with, I don't believe in God. But like, I think like the community aspect of being at synagogue, of having people around you who are part of your same, you know, heritage of, To me, it was almost never about God. It was a little bit about God when I was like a little kid, it feels like. I remember it mostly being about just sharing in the stories, speaking the language, eating the gefilte fish and the types of food, you know, the matzo ball soup and and the kugel and all that. Like, it's so much more about the people around you in real life, in, in the now, than it is to me about some hypothetical God and also some stuff that happened in the past, you know? I also, when I was reading this email, I expected the issue to be that you didn't believe in anything in terms Mm -hmm. of a higher power. But I think that if you are open to the idea of a higher power, but maybe like it just doesn't look like the way that it's portrayed in the Torah, you know, I think there are probably a lot of Jews out there whose idea of God is is different than maybe what's portrayed in the Torah. I mean, I don't believe in an all-powerful God. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, because to me, that doesn't make sense because then why is there so much suffering Mm -hmm. to me? Like my version of a higher power is sort of just like, we're all trying our best or like, you know, like I think everyone's relationship to higher power slash God is different. Their interpretation of, of what that is, is different. And so I wouldn't let like the logistics and semantics of that Mm -hmm. prevent you from like, you know, converting to Judaism. Yeah, I mean, a relationship with God, organized religion, I think, would have you believe that it's a a monolithic sort of one way. But like, but a relationship to God is like personal. It's Mm -hmm. very personal. It's very like what you talk to, what higher power, what comfort the higher power brings you, what you communicate to the higher power. If you communicate to the higher power, like, what does it look like to you? A lot of religion, when you shake away all the bullshit, is just like, hey, be nice to each other. You know, like, hey, be kind. You're like, okay, that I can get on board with. Like, great. And I, and like, also Judaism's fun. We have cool holidays. Purim, that's a good one. Simchat Torah, that's a fun one. 
I think it's like, it's a culture. I don't know. But I, I don't think, I think you believe in a higher power and that can look like whatever you want it to look like. Doesn't have to be like God, Hashem, like whatever. And like, I think you can take or leave the literal, the literalness of everything. Like, like if you don't think that like, you know, a burning bush spoke to Moses, but you understand that the story is like supposed to be about belief and like reconnecting with your roots and your people. I think that's the same and a personal choice of how to view that similar. Like you don't have to share with someone that you're not taking it literally. And the person who's taking it literally doesn't have to share with you that they are taking it literally. Like the story is meant for who's reading it. That's my interpretation. I went to a Jewish day school. I went to a Jewish summer camp. I studied Torah for years and years and years of my life. And like, to me, it was always about like, what are you taking from this story that can make your life better and can teach you something? I never took it as like, you're supposed to literally believe that the Red Sea parted, but some people do, but you shouldn't bother those people and those people shouldn't bother you. Do you think that there is something that could fulfill what this person is looking for without having to convert to an organized religion? Lululemon. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm I'm being serious. You know what I mean? Because like, like if if the goal is, is faith and community. Yeah. You know, are there other ways to get that? I'm, I'm, I'm just curious because I, you know, if I have children, I don't plan to raise them with a religion. But I also would, you know, I don't want them to feel like they're lacking faith or community. So it's almost a question for me that I'm wondering. Have I mean, this is where I pull out a pamphlet for Scientology. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know because I worry and I'm like not judging your hypothetical children. And I don't know if I'll have children, but like I would worry that then like they won't know their cultural heritage to me because there's so much culture attached to it. It would be like it would feel empty or I would feel a little bit lost it's always been a bigger part of your life than it is for me. Like, I don't feel lost. Like I don't celebrate things really anymore. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel lost. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I, and like the chances are that I end up with a Jewish partner isn't like a hundred percent. I could very well marry somebody who isn't Jewish. So Mm -hmm. then I don't know. I think a lot of times people think people need religion in order to understand morality. And I don't think that that's true. No, I'm saying if you want that, I don't think you need religion for morality, but I'm saying if you're going into Judaism and you're like standing there and you're praying and you're like looking next to you, like, we don't really, this isn't literal, right? Like we're not, you know, we're like, this is really good. And like, I'm learning stuff, but like, we don't really think, right? Like that, that might be, that's a personal thing. And I think also like there's different tiers of Judaism that might feel differently about that. So like a reform synagogue might have a little bit more of like, this is an allegory and like, you know, versus like an Orthodox synagogue, which may be taking it like at super face value. Yeah, I guess I'm just like, you know, there are complications that come with religion. There are like, you know, what would it look like for this person to instead to like get involved in in a charity organization? But you can do that through religion. I don't know. I guess I just no, have I like... No, I hear you. I hear you. You're, you're worried that they're trying to fill a gap in their life with something that they don't need to have use faith to do. Or not fit, but like, you know, like that you, is it possible to fill this gap without then having to feel like you're being incongruent with what the thing is? Do you know, like, sure. if you don't believe in an all powerful God, like Judaism, why become Jewish? <laughs> like if there is another way to fulfill that gap, but I, I could be wrong. I also think that like, 
that's a hard question to answer and the easier mm-hmm. solution is to just convert to Judaism. And so <laughs> No, but I think you can convert to Judaism without having the view of same view of God as everyone else. Like it would mm-hmm. be different. You're right. If this person was like, well, I don't, I'm an atheist. Is it okay if I convert to Judaism? Which is hard because it's, <laughs> we're a very interesting duo because I don't really, believe, I'm like, am an atheist, but I feel so much more connected to Judaism and so much more like involved in the culture of it than you, who you're like, not, don't really feel a connection to it as much, but you do feel like there is a higher power and you like believe in God. So we're like, kind of like in, in such weird, you know what I mean? But it's, I think it's a weird privilege to be, to be born Jewish, to be raised Jewish, and then to be like, I'm an atheist, but I'm still Jewish versus like, why can't this person who's an atheist come into Judaism? Why am I like grandfathered in? I'm not saying that they can't or that they shouldn't. I'm just saying I'm not saying saying to you, I'm saying their, their fear. I'm saying your fear is, why is that? You know what I mean? I guess I'm just wondering if they would feel a discomfort in the conversion Mm. process because of these beliefs that they have. And therefore, is there something else they could do that wouldn't cause them that discomfort? But it sounds like it makes a lot of sense for them to convert to Judaism and they put a lot of thought into it. Mm -hmm. I'm now sort of more opening that question of like, if organized religion isn't for you, but you still feel those holes in your life, where, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah. I think that like culturally, yes, I'm, I'm obviously Jewish. Ethnically, I'm Jewish. You know, if I like my dad's ancestry.com, it's like 99% Ashkenazi Jew. Like, (laughs) but yeah, I think it's, it's such a, it's such a personal choice and it's hard. I don't know the right answer. It also has to do with how other people view you, which is sort of not in our control, right? Like if you're Christian or Catholic, primarily people will see you and they'll be like, you know, they're not seeing that first. But I think for some of us who are Jewish, because the way we look, we talk with our hands, whatever the, the accent, whatever it is. It might be obvious someone looking at us could say, oh, those are Jews, you know? And so it's like, doesn't matter how connected we are to it in any possible way. Like, I don't think Larry David like goes to synagogue every week, but if you see him walk down the street, you're like, that's a Jew. So it's kind of an interesting, like, we're like in a middle ground. Yeah. And that's going on stereotypes. But I'm just saying it's kind of this thing that like, it's what I feel to me, it's, it's one of the only religions where you are not, you can just be like, no, no, thank you. But then people are still going to be like, that's a Jew. Even if you were like, I'm atheist. I totally have nothing to do with it. I don't believe in it. I don't know any of it. It would still show up on ancestry Jew, right? It's not going to show up on ancestry Christian. Do you identify as a, as an atheist Jew? Yeah. Not an agnostic, just atheist. Well, okay. It's hard because I do believe in ghosts, but I also think that if aliens exist, then is there a God creating all of these aliens or is the God, the God just created us and we're special and there are no aliens? I like magic. I think there's magic. I think there's like super, I just like, or like supernatural to me. Okay. There's a supernatural okay. element of what's going on. Okay. Because otherwise, like, I mean, we're like, oh, the Big Bang Theory. I'm like, okay, but what caused the Big Bang? Like there has to like, if we go back to like right. patient zero, like to me, there has to be some level of like a supernatural element that we don't totally get. And I'm yeah. agnostic in the tent in this in the sense that I don't understand what that supernatural element is. Yeah. And what it looks like and what powers it has. And did it create aliens too? Different probably. being created aliens, or it's the same being created aliens? I mean, I don't even know if I if I believe in one god or I believe in multiple gods. I don't know. Like I just feel very like I, I'm open to all of it. But I think that there there is something more than what we see here. Yeah. Also for this person, you can combine stuff. I mean, I read tons of books about Buddhism. I take a lot of pieces from Buddhism or 
Hinduism that I find useful or or helpful in my life doesn't mean I can convert to those. It doesn't mean that I want to or anything, but like you can sort of cobble together your beliefs and like stuff that makes you feel better or like, you know, makes sense to you and sort of like put all of that together in a way. I guess I just feel like it sucks that like in order to find this community, you Mm -hmm. often have to sign up to something like an organized religion. Well, start an MLM, girl. Sell leggings. I don't know. Floundering for faith. Open your own legging. (laughs) Start selling Avon. I love having grounded, helpful discussions with you. (laughs) I think you're making a a very salient point that you want to do rituals. You want to live by commandments. Where do those have to come from? And then largely it comes from religion. Where else could it come from? Yeah, like I wish that there were I just wish there were stronger communities in this country that weren't also tied to thousand year old Bibles and Torahs and all that stuff. In the meantime, there isn't. So I think, you know, (laughs) I don't think there should ever be a gatekeeper in terms of you pursuing a religion that Mm -hmm. interests you or that you want to be a part of. Um, I'm just posing posing questions about about my own life. (laughs) Welcome to the tribe floundering for, for faith. I hope that helped. I feel more confused. Um, if you want to submit your international question, you can send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Stick around after the break. We're going to be talking all about Gabby buying their first house. Ooh, Mamia. Just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X X X baby. This week we're talking about Buying real estate. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fill us in. What's been going on? Okay, here's what's wild. I would say within the last ten years, I had fifty dollars, <laughs> and then now. For those of you who have chronicled my podcast, Bad with Money, or read my book, Bad with Money, I started making more money. And I got real scared and I paid off my student loans and then I got real scared again. And then I like saved a little bit and I uh, live in fear. And so a part of me was like, okay, so just having the money is terrifying. What if I invested it into something that then I could make build up and like live there, but also then it could be something that could in the future be something I could sell. Just like be, be doing something with the money. So I'm not just like spinning my wheels. It's never hurt to have a home. (laughs) And so I have a partner. That partner also has a little bit of house money. Had like before we even met, had like a little house house money nest or whatever. So it's like, okay, we are not married. So, but we're going to, we're like, okay, we're going to buy a house. That's the thing I wanted to ask you about is, is like the legal aspect of owning property together, not being married. Are, yeah, how so, does that work? Are you just like, if you ever choose to sell it, it's like 50-50 in the contract or what is the... So we're going to draw something up. Yeah, for the two of us. The idea is that being an adult is terrifying. Basically, we're both freelancers. So you have to get about a thousand documents. I would say 1,000 paperworks, please. And you have to be like, I make money. I'm a good person. Please give me a mortgage. <laughs> and then they look at it and they go, no, thank you. And then you go, what about now? And they go, maybe. 
And then finally they were like, okay, yes. Cause you have to like prove, cause you don't have pay stubs that are regular because we work in entertainment. You have to like prove that you make money. So then from there, um, we got approval and then they were like, we'll give you X amount of money for a house. This is how much we think you can do. Then you get a realtor and the realtor either really cares about you or really doesn't give a shit. And it's like, this is my third job. I don't care about you at all. And I will not be showing you any good properties. And you're like, okay, but I feel like that's, I feel like you should show us good properties. And they're like, no. Basically what happened was because of COVID, like houses that were like $100,000 in 2019 are now like $250,000 because everybody wanted to move out of the city immediately. Everybody like got really all of a sudden they because their lives were so much outside of, you know, their homes. All of a sudden they were like, this house sucks. because They were in it for all of 2020. Also, nobody has any jobs. So everyone's trying to move to like cheaper places. It went balls to the wall. And we were like, just had just started dating in 2019. And we were like, maybe we'll buy a house together one day. I don't know. Now I'm like, we should have done it. No, we shouldn't have. But so we're like coming up on two years together. So we're like, okay. So we went in and looked, but then like finding exactly what you want is such a puzzle. What is it that you're looking for? Uh, we are looking for kind of like a log cabin aesthetic. I really want more than one bathroom, but I don't know that we're going to find that. And we want like a kind of rural sort of thing. Um, we want it to not be, I mean, we want it to not be like super expensive because they'll give you a mortgage. We don't want to get like a, a big loan that we will never, you know, where the mortgage is like, we're never going to be able to pay it. So we're trying to be very reasonable. So we were like letting this realtor like find us stuff or whatever. And then I was just like, no, I'm buckling down. So I went and I looked up a bunch of properties and I reached out to all the properties and I got, and I booked everything art for ourselves. And that's why I'm now a realtor. And I like got us all these meetings in the last couple of days. And then we saw one this morning that we really like. Ooh. And we, and we're going to, put a bid on it. And the thing is, is that you cannot get your hopes up because mm-hmm. we were, I'm, we were like, Oh my God, this is perfect. We love it. This is going to be amazing. And then basically what happens is you put in a bid and then like, you don't know, maybe like four other people put in bids. You have no idea. And maybe your bid is less than the other people's bid, but you don't know. They don't tell you it's not fair. And so then, you know, the person comes back and they're like, we don't, you know, we accepted this bid, but you're a backup. And then you sit and you wait for six months being like, please let it fall through. Please let it fall through for these other people. I hate them. I have no empathy. And I hope that they don't have any money, which is a terrible way to be. Or you get it, you know, and then you go into all this stuff. You have to go get it appraised and you have to make sure that the septic tank and all this stuff. Have you ever, I mean, being a grown up is. Seems terrible. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of like looking at stuff and going, is the foundations good? What's the septic tank like? How do you, you know, what are the property taxes in this area? Questions that I, I'm cool. I didn't have to ask these questions. Like when I was doing cocaine at Chateau Marmont, like this was not on my mind. So I'm about to turn 33 and it's like a whole new ball game. How has it changed your dynamic with Mal? Like how you guys feel like it's causing stress or is it? strengthening the bond. I'm very worried about money always. I'm scared. I'm terrified. The, the, the idea I've spent so long working so hard to pay off my student loans and the idea of taking out another big loan makes me my hands shake. 
I have to just be like, it's okay. Like you have money. The money you have is, is not to squirrel away in your cheeks, like a little squirrel. It's to use and to do things with and to, you know, move forward in your life. I still, I still have the mindset of like, it's all going away. It's all going away. I'm never going to make any money ever again. This is my last paycheck. How could I buy a house? I'll never have another paycheck again. I have started to feel like, like a dad, not even, not even my dad, because Lord knows, but like a dad, you know, like the dad that walks, I'm sure your dad's this way, walks around and is like, why are the lights on? I provide for this family or whatever. I started to feel like, like the provider dad who's like, why are we paying for this? Why are the sprinklers on? Like, that's money. Like I, when did this happen? How has Mal handled that wonderful transition of yours? (laughs) Um, They're that way a little bit too, in their own regard everybody's got to play to their strength, right? So like Mal gets very overwhelmed. It made sense eventually for me to take the reins and to look up all the places and to make the appointments, right? Like them calling a bunch of different sellers agents and like, you know, that's overwhelming to them. They can't do that. They can pick out the houses and then go, this house is good. I read all the reviews. I read all the whatever. This is good. I'm too scared to call. Can you call? And then my strength is I call. And so I think everybody's got to play to their strengths. I think, did I have a meltdown in the car on the way home? Absolutely. Money is the number one relationship stressor. You know, like you have to be so explicit. This is the thing that I always say on my podcast, but it's like hard to do in practice. You can give advice, but you can't take the advice. But you're just like talking to a partner about money, like being so explicit. Like you can't just like, you can't just go around and be like, this cabin is perfect. Oh my God, let's put in a thing. We're going to get it without like sitting down and being like, here's what you're going to pay. Here's what I'm going to pay. Because it's easy to get like swept up in the romanticism of everything without like realizing like, you know, okay, do you need to put in a new roof? Like how much is that going to cost? You can't just be like, oh, it's only this amount of money. Let's get it. And it's like, okay, well, a new septic tank is going to be like $20,000. And where's that going to come from? And like being realistic about stuff that like would otherwise be super romantic or like fun. And it is fun, but it's also just like having to be super honest, super communicative. And I hate it when Mal's like, can you afford, if we could do this, this, and this, can you afford it? And me having to say no is like all the shame for my childhood. All of us, it's not just like me saying no, that I can't afford a certain thing. It's like me being like, and now you're back in elementary school eating poor kid lunch and you're a fucking fuck up. And like, you know, like it's all the like trauma or whatever. And you have to just be able to like say to your partner, like I'm eating poor kid lunch right now in my mind. And you know what I mean? like, it's so embarrassing. It's so vulnerable. Have you guys thought about just combining your finances? I, you don't want to. <laughs> I, what, I, what, I, mm, mm, I don't know. My mom scared me. She's a divorce attorney. She scared me about combining finances. Would you ever do that? If I was married to somebody, I would combine my finances. I don't know. I'm scared. See, to, see, to me, it, it feels like if I didn't, then that would cause a lot more issues than if I did. Because then it's like, oh, this is our money. Yeah. We're making decisions together. This is our money versus like my money, your money, this, that, breaking it down, you know. Someone on Bad With Money suggested having her and her boyfriend, she said, they, she has her money. The boyfriend has his money and then they have a joint account that they call the dog's money (laughs) and they pretend they they both pay into it every month. And then when Mm -hmm. they want to do something like that, they both are doing, they are like, oh, you know what? Rufus will pay for it. And like, (laughs) that's the joke. And I'm like, that is such good advice. Like, Mm -hmm. that is really, really good advice because it makes it silly. It takes like the stress out of it. And I was like, that's actually that's actually really good advice. So I don't know. I really it's like buying a house is not relatable, but like. 
it, the vulnerability of like talking about money and like being this, oh, cause you can't, I need, I gotta show Mal my bank statements. I have to like show them all of my tax, tax returns. Like we have to put that together to send out the house. Like my instinct is I'm like, I want to hide everything. Like, I don't want, like, you don't need, it's none of your business. Like how much money I have. You don't need to know that. The amount of like vulnerability and like just being like trusting your partner and opening up to your partner and being like, this is the reality of my situation. You always want to seem cool. I don't ever want to be like, no, I don't think I could put in a new, you know, deck or whatever. I want to be like, oh, get a deck, get a hot tub, get everything, you know? But then like to be like, I actually don't think that we could do that if we get the house. It's like, makes me want to die. But you have to do it. Have you ever heard of vulnerability? It's horrible. (laughs) I think that we have different areas of vulnerability. So for me, sharing finances and showing someone my bank statement isn't scary to me. Really? Yeah. But I also grew up in a financially secure house. So it's just totally different. I have issues with other things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always like, why do you need to know? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what I'm doing. The idea of having a joint account where someone could be like, what was What did you postmates? I'd be like, none of your fucking business what I postmate. You know what I mean? Like, I will say, though, the idea of sharing my finances with Jake did scare me because I felt like he would be monitoring what I spent. Um, but right. maybe that should have been a sign that that wasn't the best. Right. <laughs> but I think I, I don't think that I would ever again enter into a life partnership with someone where I didn't feel comfortable being able to to share finances. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I have to just learn to like be OK with someone because I guess my instinct is that the person's going to be like, that's all you have, you loser. Why do I think that? Well, you have to work with your therapist to to reframe those thoughts. I know. And so I don't know. And also like the hell, you know, we could, we could put in a bid and be all like so excited about this house. And then, so I'm trying to be grateful in the moment. Like we were like, yay, we found something we like. Yes. Celebrate. Hooray. And like, okay, we're going to put in a bid. Don't get too excited. You might not get it. And like, we might put in like, who knows, like four or five bids before anybody like wants to sell to a couple of sinful gays. But it is a very vulnerable process. It requires me to show my net and gross income to strangers, to strangers. It's very unnatural for me. Do you feel like it's been exposure therapy and that the more you do it, are you getting any more comfortable with it? Yeah, it'll be more. Yes, definitely. It's exposure therapy. And it makes me have to tell Mal the truth and be more truthful with Mal and be more honest about what we could afford, what we can't afford. Um, you know, I know a lot of families have a lot of problems where like the they want to, they don't want to admit that they can't get this big house that they want. So they just go into huge debt over it or they don't want to admit the reality of like the situation. So they take out, you know, too many loans or, or, you know, whatever. And I, and I don't, I'm so scared of that happening that I'm very, I want to be like so honest and be like, this is what I'm comfortable putting in. I'm sorry if this is not going to get us, you know, the lakefront view that you want. You know what I mean? Like I, but then I, you know, as a partner, you're like, I don't want to disappoint. Like I'm, I have to stuff down the part of me that's like, I don't want to disappoint Mal. Like I'm like, I want to give you everything you want, baby. What do you want? Like I'll get, you know, like I don't want to disappoint them. But then they're like, I'm, but I'm, that's made up in my head. They're not asking for that. Right. I was going to say how much of that is that all based in Mal's expectations of you or it's just projections? Absolutely. It's me not wanting to disappoint. I don't want them to be disappointed because I love them so much. But it's also like that's how you end up in a house you can't afford. And why is it you being the cause of the disappointment? I mean, if they had the money to get themselves the lake house view, they could do that. You know what I mean? I know. It's not like it's all in my business. I know. I know. Does this feel like a cementing of your relationship in a way like that maybe a marriage would? Yeah. Like they're like, what? They're like, (laughs) 
what are we, uh, well, well, we have to draw up a contract or whatever. And I was like, what happened to, I don't want to get married to you if we have to have a prenup. Cause that means that we're not like entering into it seriously enough, which is the thing that they said. And then I was like, oh, so you want to drop a prenup for the house is what you're saying. And they're like, well, you talked me into it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm not going, are you going somewhere? I'm not going anywhere. And they're like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Like, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, you know, let's draw it up, obviously, because I've been saying that everyone should have a prenup. But I'm also like a little, uh, I, I'm also like, I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. So if you are great, let me know. I don't think I would buy a house with someone I wasn't married to. Yeah. Well, you and my mom both. Why aren't you, why aren't you getting married? Um, nobody has proposed to anybody. <laughs> Okay, so it's not like off the table. It's not off the table. Nobody's nobody has proposed to anybody. So you want to get you want to get married. I mean, I'm buying a house with them. I don't okay. know. I like I don't know. I, I I don't know that if we buy this house, I don't think we'll have money to get married. <laughs> so like we'll buy the house and then we have to like wait anyway for any of it because no nobody's gonna we're not gonna buy this house and then and then have money for an engagement ring or have money for a wedding. Like that's that's going to take some time to like get that money back. Well, it depends on what kind of ring, what kind of wedding. That's true. I, uh, it's that show, that Netflix show, more marriage or mortgage. <laughs> you always choose mortgage. Who chooses well, marriage? <laughs> Melissa, come on in and, and share your thoughts on this. She knows the show marriage or mortgage and you always get the house. Yeah. I'm familiar with the show. I haven't watched it, but I'm familiar with it. Why would you ever not get the house? Some people, it's like all about the marriage party, but that's just not financially sound to me. That show is like, here's a perfect house for you. And it is exactly what you want. And you and your fiance live with your four children in a one bedroom apartment. So you should really get this house. And then they'll be like, but on the flip side, you could helicopter into your wedding. And they're like, well, helicopter into our wedding. And I'm like, what is wrong with people? Hey, maybe having a big wedding is a part of their culture. No, it's just no. like white people who want to get married on plantations. But minus the plantation part, having a big wedding could very well still be a part of their culture. That's true. Then why would they go on the show? I don't know. I'm saying people in general. Like, <laughs> I you know, know, I know, I know. I think it's very easy to to judge people's yeah. decisions regarding weddings. But also if it's like you've been told your entire life that this is the most important day ever. Right. And that your entire family wants to celebrate you in this specific way. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to unpack. That's true. That's true. I'm just being judgmental. Would you would you uh, buy a house with someone you weren't married to, Melissa? The question of the episode. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I think it just depends on where I am in the relationship and where I am in wanting to buy a house. I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be buying a house before a relationship. Uh, uh -huh. And you buy it for yourself. You're an independent woman. Exactly. I would live in a house with a partner where it was mm -hmm. one of our houses and someone was paying rent. Yeah, uh -huh. sure. But like yep. to actually buy a property together. Audience? Stay tuned. I mean, this is, let's say this is this is like, you know, the season nine finale of of our lives. And then who knows? You know, maybe I'm saying this and I'm like, we're getting a house. It's going to be amazing. You listen to this podcast four years from now. You're like, well, that went terribly. Oh, you mean like the engagement story episode of this podcast? That's still exactly <laughs> exactly where Jake is just sharing how excited he was to propose to me. Oh, Did no. you listen to it? You psycho. 
oh my god of course not okay (laughs) i'm not interested in self-harm yeah Um, yeah yeah so who knows you could be listening back to this and you'll be like it was it's really weird to listen back to this now that we know mal was like a vampire you know, I don't know. <laughs> but that's any relationship, any big decision. It's right. all a lot of risk. That's the message behind this entire podcast. <laughs> what did we rate this episode? I rate it six out of five realtors. Oh, all right. Melissa? I'll rate it 20 out of 18 joint dog bowl accounts. <laughs> and I'll I'll rate it 13 out of 11 Atheist Jews. Aw, 13, like a bat mitzvah year. Mm-hmm. Cute. <laughs> I've come across a lot of those on Hinge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So you're on? Okay, we got to talk about this offline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Join us again on Friday. We have an incredible episode with Gabby's aunt, Michelle. And we're going to be talking all about her journey with her husband's HIV diagnosis in the 80s and um, their beautiful story. So stay tuned. Just Between Us is a forever dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa D. Montz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash justbetweenusshow. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at foreverdogteam to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. And at Gabby Road for me, also at Allison Raskin, and at Emotional Support Ladies. Forever Dog. <laughs>